0: It is 2.30 a.m. in New York, 8.30 a.m. in Johannesburg, and 1.30 p.m. in Bangkok. Welcome to the Expat Happy Hour. This is Sunday Schneider Bean from sundaybean.com. I'm a solution-oriented coach and intercultural strategist for individuals and organizations, and I am on a mission to help you adapt and succeed when living abroad and get you through any life transition. Prince himself, an American singer-songwriter, and record producer says, sometimes it takes years for a person to become an overnight success. The trouble is, we don't see the years of work that took someone to get there, right? It leaves us in pools of compare and despair, thinking we're doing something wrong if we aren't as successful as those we admire. And by success, I'm not talking stardom. I'm even referring to anything that means something to you, whether that be a loving relationship, a stable business, or just healthy routines. This marks our final episode of the Expat Untold series, where we peel back the curtain on things we just don't talk about enough. And today we're focusing on what it takes to live on purpose and create Success. And I can't think of a better person to join us than Juanita Ingram to share her journey. Now, Juanita is amazing. She is an actress, an author, and an attorney. <laughs> um, she's got a really amazing journey, which you'll hear more about. Among her accolades are she's a creator of The Expat Show, she's also the CEO of Purpose Productions. Her life began as an American licensed attorney, turned author and actress, and she's now living in Taipei, Taiwan, after paying her dues of really discovering the challenges of life as an accompanying partner in Ascot, England. She is a wife, a mother of two, and runs a women-owned production company, which has been awarded more words than I can even keep track of. In addition to that, she's also the founder of Dress for Success in Greater London and Dress for Success in Chattanooga. All of that shows a woman on purpose and success. But in our conversation, what you hear, there's a backstory to that. And this is where her experience is definitely hard earned. So have a listen. Juanita, thank you so much for being here today on Expat Happy Hour. I'm so excited to have you. I'm so
1: excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me.
0: So listen, the listeners will have heard in your bio a long list of impressive accolades, but I know that this isn't something that comes easy or overnight, you know, you started your life, your professional life as an attorney. Now you're living in Asia and you're an actress and an author. I know it always hasn't been this good or this nice. No, (laughs) it is not. (laughs) Can you lead us back? Let's dive in to the turning point for you, where you went from living your regular life in the U.S., Mm -hmm. having built what you built, to that shift to be living abroad.
1: Yes. So, you know, I'm what people consider a corporate expat, a trailing spouse. So I trailed my husband's job is what brought us abroad. Um, And it was back in 2011 was the first time that we left. We lived in London for almost five years and it was a huge shift and a huge pivot. It was the first time that I'd ever stopped practicing law in the traditional sense and paused on that. And, you know, I was, uh, probably like most lawyers, a type personality overachiever went straight through from undergrad to law school, did a JD MBA program. And I just knew that this is what I wanted to do. And I don't think that anybody does all of that pass the bar and, you know, cause you don't want to practice law, you know? Um, so it's one of those things where when I took a break, Because I had to uh, and moved to London. It was a surprisingly low point. I say surprisingly because I have such a different reaction now. You know, we are living in Taiwan now, and I'm, people often say, oh gosh, you've, you're not only like owning the trailing spouse, but you're like thriving in it. And it's a culmination, uh, I guess it's been 10 years now of adjusting to change. And it has been a journey. I, sat on the couch for 4 months with what i now know is trailing spouse syndrome or trailing spouse depression at the time i did not know that that i didn't even know that was a thing or a diagnosis or a real situation i just knew that i sat on the couch for 4 months straight when we first moved to london and cried i was so focused on everything that i was giving up even though i made the decision even though i wanted to be there I just had never not been a lawyer in the traditional sense, and your identity is so caught up in what you do
0: sometimes
1: mm-hmm. that I had no idea who all Juanita was. I did know. I just didn't know that I knew. Right. But I I mourned the trajectory of my career that I thought that I was going to have, even though I was supportive of my husband's promotion and what brought us there and the opportunities for my kids to see the world and I loved all of that but there was a part of my career where I wanted to be a judge by a certain time frame that wasn't going to happen mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. I had to mourn I had to give myself permission to mourn that and I wasn't giving myself permission to do it which is why I had the syndrome I was very very sad <laughs>
0: right and I know there are people who are listening who are like oh that's a thing I want to know how the heck did you say Yes, to giving up your role in law to even get across the ocean. Like, what? Tell me more about that.
1: You know, the things you do for love. And not (laughs) only love, it's new love. You know, the things you do for new love. Because,
0: (laughs) just saying, you know, I am nodding nodding over here. (laughs) We hadn't
1: been married long. That's how it happened. No, but we had. uh, The thing is, oddly enough, Um, I did not know how it would play out, but when my husband and I got married, uh, I'm a very prayerful, spiritual person, and I was praying, and I just felt this nudge in my spirit for our honeymoon that we needed to start traveling abroad, because I hadn't even left the U.S. at all um, until our honeymoon, and so that was the first time that I even traveled uh, internationally. And I had this feeling in my spirit, like, we're going to live internationally, you need to get prepared. I had no reason to think that, I had no evidence that that was ever going to come. No one had ever talked to him about taking an international role. He was a sales rep at the time for his company. And so he hadn't even gone to the headquarters and gone on the corporate side. He was still in sales. There was no evidence that that was ever happening. So we went to Rome and Florence for our honeymoon. You know, Mm -hmm. All of our family was like, why can't you go to Florida? Why can't you go to Punta Cana? (laughs) After that, every anniversary, we made the commitment to go abroad. So the second year, we went to Paris with another group of five people, five couples. The year after that, we backpacked across Spain. And Mm. the year after that, I had started having kids. And then lo and behold, the the call to go to London came. Mm. And I think had we not traveled abroad, I would not have felt comfortable doing it. In the back of my mind, I, I... think i thought it's okay i'll find a legal position there uh, it's okay
0: oh, yes yeah, and everybody's yeah. like you're smart you're so successful exactly. it'll be no problem i can i be just- fine <laughs> i've done a podcast about this but never believe people no who are not already expats who have done the thing you want to do don't believe locals don't right you and don't have.
1: believe people who are in your profession who are pontificating about yes. what they think this yes. should be for you and what they. So I got I got a mentor, <laughs> you know, because I yep. I had a another a lawyer friend who was like, oh, I have a friend who's a lawyer in mm-hmm. the UK that'll be a good mentor for you, and surely something will work out. You know, mm-hmm. it'll work out, it'll pan out, right. and so I think in the back of my mind, I really thought maybe I'll get a legal job here or I'll get in house. Cause I was in house counsel at Rolls Royce at the time mm-hmm. and I quit in yep. order to do this. And I think in the back of my mind, I thought, because this was not the first time that I had been a trailing spouse, cause you can be a trailing spouse domestically. So the yep. first time was when I moved from Chattanooga, Tennessee as my hometown to mm-hmm. Indianapolis when my husband went to the corporate side mm-hmm. and that experience of uprooting uh, my network And having to reinvent and reconnect i thought well i'll just do it on a global scale surely it'll be okay you know (laughs) surely it'll be all right and when i landed there something very quickly sank in this wasn't going to be okay Mm -hmm. it wasn't going to be the same Uh, and then you have the narrative from colleagues and well-meaning family and friends that are like are you sure about this Mm -hmm. and in the beginning when you settle as an expat especially your first assignment there's a lot of frustration there is a lot of things that you have to overcome. Everything is complicated. And if you start complaining to your family and friends, their response is going to be, "Well, just come home." Right. And that's not the answer. And that's no, it's not, not an option. It's Mm-mm. and it's not even an option. Like that's not and, well, I know some people who did that. That's not good. It's not good for your marriage. It's not good for for you, but that's not always even an option. And right. so, um I went over naively thinking that I would have this opportunity to continue. In fact, I interviewed uh, with Rolls Royce. This is all bringing back so many memories. Mm-hmm. I had set up an interview with Rolls Royce in the UK and because I was a real estate and contract procurement lawyer. And, and I was thinking about, well, maybe I'll do um, a position with this company that I've been with. And they interviewed me and they went on a hiring freeze, or at least that's what oh. I was told. Right. <laughs> and so it didn't it didn't work out. And I took a picture in front of Buckingham Palace the day I interviewed. I still have that picture. And it, when I look at it, I think of how blind I was and how naive, what naive, but also so focused on hanging on to the old. And not really embracing what was in front of me. So I spent four months thinking about everything that I gave up and what does this mean? And colleagues that were like, oh, so what are you going to do? Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, and when they ask that, they really mean, what are you going to do as a lawyer? They're not asking you, what are you going to do? What Mm -hmm. are you going to do as a lawyer? And, um, yeah, I, I think I, you know, love is blind and ignorance is bliss. I wish there were podcasts like yours right? that I could right. have tapped into and not only understood the gravity of what I was saying in the undertaking, but then also how to maintain, regain, and maybe even discover the mm-hmm. identity and the fullness of who you are. Because that time frame was probably one of the most, the lowest points in my life emotionally, Mm -hmm. but it was the best point in my life long-term because when I got up off the couch, I got Mm up and I just had to take, and I I literally did it. I got up off the couch sad. I got up off the couch confused. I got up off the couch without an identity, without a purpose because my husband, you know, the, the spouse that brings you, they have purpose immediately. They're going to work, I remember my husband pulled out of the driveway. I can still hear the gravel underneath <laughs> our wheels as he was pulling out of the driveway. And I'm waving at him and he's waving by. And I've got a 15-month-old on one hip who I was oh, still man. breastfeeding and a three-year-old standing to my side. We had no internet yet. I had no Peppa Pig to watch. You know, this right. was before any of that. I How didn't do have you a do toddlerhood
0: without, Pepper without Pig? Peppa Pig? Without Peppa Pig, I don't know.
1: You know, Peppa right. changed everything in our lives hmm. and... I didn't have a cell phone yet because I didn't Mm -hmm. qualify to have one. We didn't have international plans. But then so the world was a lot different. We didn't have a lot that we have now in terms of Facebook and Messenger and all these other Instagram and all these other things that we have now that are so... You know prolific, it wasn't as much, but it's 10 still years isolating. Ago. People are still it's, feeling isolated, yes.
0: So, I want to pause here for a second because b- both you and I, I think, have had um, like fetal position, yes, moments, right? W- of hard, and and maybe because we did it before all of this, I, I also have to say, my clients have all of this and they still have fetal position moments, You're right. um, <laughs> but so. If you were to stop listening to this podcast right now, you'd be like, I'm out, that sucks, not gonna yeah. do it. But I know both you and I would say, do it. Do it. Do it. What was the gift on the other side for you?
1: Do it afraid. Um, the gift on the other side of, for me was life, everything. I People read my bio and they're like, oh my gosh, she's doing all these things, how? because I just stepped into a new season. And I'm really big on seasons. And seasons are scary sometimes because there's a stormy season, you know, there's rain that comes with it, but there's growth that comes after that. So I decided, you know what, I'm gonna get up off the couch and I'm gonna explore every aspect of me that I have been too busy adulting to indulge in. Why not? My mother started me in theater when I was nine years ago I loved acting. I was just too busy adulting. So I decided, let me go out, let's see if I audition, get an agent. And I did. You never know what can happen until you actually try all the sides of you. And you don't have to have five different sides, like I have many, many sides. Maybe it's just one. But on the other side of that was fulfillment, happiness, purpose, identity friendships and relationships. I have uh, such good friendships with some, my very first director that gave me my big break in London, my first feature film or indie feature film that I was in. And I had a nomination for best actress from the British urban film festival. He and I are such, we're working on projects together now. I, and he was the first person who was like, who is this Southern accent speaking lady <laughs> in, this, in this audition? And his wife and I are great friends. Like we're just such great friends deep relationships that you will build if you just step outside of the box that you either society put you in or you put yourself in and put a lid on yourself. I took the lid off and out of that flourished books that I've had a 17 city book tour with Barnes and Noble, but the first book came out when I was in London, they were already in me. I never had time to write them. I never taken the time to write them because I was too busy being full-time lawyer, full-time mom, and that was all that I could do at the time. But having that break, you know, I, I talk to a lot of expats and they talk about, especially as, as African-American people, sometimes when you're living in the U.S., it can be such a stressful survival type of existence that you don't have time, seriously, like you don't have time to explore so much because you're so stressed. Um, and not everybody deals with different stresses, but this is a time to take exploration of self so freely and, and seriously, it is a gift. And mm-hmm. I didn't see the gift in the beginning. And I feel, I still, the only thing I'm mad about is the four months that I wasted. Because <laughs> I could have done you. more in London during that four right. months that I was so focused on looking back and not looking forward.
0: But you had to feel that pain. Like you had to get that low. I think for me, when I, when I look at... um my fetal position moment. It was like, it was really about the ego. It was about like I had created, I'd worked so hard to create a life that had validity, right? That had external cachet. that it was like, if I let go of that, then who am I? What am I? Do I, if I don't have social value from the outside, what value do I have? And that was a really raw, painful moment.
1: Yes, it is. It is, and it is the ego. It is the thing that wants to protect you from feeling anything other than you are grand and you are great, and whatever source that they it, that ego can get it from, be it healthy or not so healthy. Because there's there's a healthy level of ego that keeps us from being a doormat, yeah. and then there is the <laughs> ego that is unhealthy that keeps us paralyzed. Really, yes. that is our own enemy for me what feed what was feeding that. You know, I colleagues that were like, Are you sure about this? Even mm. when I started writing books, oh, why would you do that? You seem a little fragmented. I decided to go and and do back to pageantry because there's different levels of pageantry. So there's Miss mm. and Teen and then Mrs. So there's a whole yep. Mrs. sector. I did I got invited to be a uh, Mrs. World UK Mrs. That's Universe so UK. And people were like, why would you do that? Why would you know? And I am I was focused more on what is a part of my purpose also, empowering women. Right. Um, I got a life coach that really helped bring everything together because I was getting so much Feedback from unsolicited, by the way. Um, <laughs> <feedback> from, <laughs> n- nobody asked you, okay? Yeah,
0: but exactly, but they gave it anyway.
1: That <laughs> I was, oh, you seem flighty. You seem so scattered. You seem fragmented. That you start wondering, like, well, am I flighty? Mm-hmm, it feels, mm-hmm. it feels normal. It, it's better than sitting on the couch. But maybe what? Because you're because you're still struggling about who are you, yeah. this new reinvent. People always say, oh, you reinvent yourself. How <laughs> you know? yeah. and into what? And there right. is a process to get there. My My Lovely. life coach helped me a great deal
0: yeah because when you're saying that I know exactly where you are where you were then and that's from um, Dr. Martha Beck the method that I use is, is it, it's dreaming and scheming where you're actually mm-hmm. you're 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 learning what who you are and what you want by actually doing right it's not yes. in your head it's not writing a list it's about it's about embodying these layers of yourself and seeing which one feels like the, the most delicious one to, to yes. move forward with. I don't know about you, but for me, that I talked about the fetal position was when I first moved to Switzerland, but I had another sort of transformational moment when I gave up my corporate role and moved to West Africa and started my company. And mm-hmm. I had actually built, I had got a job I didn't even dream of. It was even better than I dreamed of. I, I was... Mm working in a level that it was beyond what I expected for myself. And I gave that up to start my company and, and that everybody said I was crazy to do. Right. And, you know, and eight years later into my business, I'm so, I would never do it any other way. Right. I'm so grateful for the fact that I left the security of that and, and I'm doing what I'm doing now. So Tell me what else happened. So after that moment you started experimenting, but I'm guessing there was there were other moments of transformation for you that happened from the UK to where you are now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I, I got a call from one of my colleagues and friends. She's the CEO of Dress for Success Worldwide. And I was in London and I was I quit. So when I was in London, I got a job share position. Uh, in the, on the business side so I, I decided to do I'm like okay listening to my mentor go do a business role lawyers are never allowed to do that but only do it for 18 months because then people are going to start questioning what you know what you really want to do so I'm like fine I'll go do a business role and I actually did that I appreciate the experience professionally but personally I, I just could have done so much more with my time mm-hmm. <laughs> than, than right. that and then and so when mm-hmm. I realized that and I was acting I quit And I was Mm -hmm. like, you know what? I'm going to fully embrace. I'm going to be a Kip woman. You know, I'm just going (laughs) to embrace this. I'm going to explore all these different sides. I've got auditions coming now. Things are going great. I had my own talk show in London at the time at Pinewood Studios. Things were going really well. And I get this call from a friend. um, The Dress for Success affiliate at that time has stopped functioning. And she asked me to restart the entire affiliate and Mm. to start that business again and previously i had been a volunteer for dress for success my my life coach helped me to see that everything that i did there was an undergirding theme of empowering women and helping women so that was my first stab at starting a nonprofit internationally and we're still going strong today we're five six years later fantastic yeah i've seen it i'm still chairing the board yeah i'm still Mm -hmm. chairing the board but that was the turning point of i'd helped a lot of other clients start their own business. I'd helped a lot of clients start their own nonprofits. I'd never done it myself. And so that helped me. There was a point where I wanted to continue acting. We moved back to the United States. We were in Indianapolis. Indianapolis does not have tax film tax credits, so not a lot of professional activity happening there. So Mm -hmm. I had to start making my own opportunities. I got cast into a television show there, but that was about all that was happening at the time. So I got behind the camera instead of in Mm -hmm. front of. Mm -hmm. And from that experience of starting Dress for Success, I knew, okay, if I want to do a production company, I want it to be focused on empowering women, narratives that you haven't heard, marginalized people, these stories that you otherwise would not hear. And -hmm. that's how I birthed out Purpose Production. That's amazing. Um, Yeah. And and part of it was even, you know, my my life has always been sort of uh, riddled, if you will, with low points, high points, low points. So Mm -hmm. one of the even getting through law school, I had a very rough first semester. I had an advisor, uh, a man that told me I should drop out of law school, walk across (laughs) the street to the business school. (laughs) Never because he was like, you made I made like three C's. I did because my Mm -hmm. undergrad is in accounting. Mm-hmm. And one plus one is always two right. in the discipline that I had before. Now, after law school, I could argue with you and tell you that maybe it shouldn't be two. Maybe it shouldn't <laughs> you know, have you thought about that? Let's let's look at the factors. I that was a totally different discipline. I had to learn how to be a lawyer for real. So my mm-hmm. first semester was really rough. I made a couple of Cs, and he was like, "No, lawyer, no law firm is going to take you. No judge is going to want you. Drop out. Go across the street to the business school. Get an MBA." And don't look back. You're you're, wow. you're not going to make it. I was interning that summer after my first year in New Jersey uh, at Chubb Insurance. Her name was Joanne Bober. I will never forget. She was general counsel. She pulled me in her office. I didn't know this woman. And she looked at me. Maybe she saw something on my face like, she's getting ready to drop out of law school. I don't know mm-hmm. because I was. Mm-hmm. And she pulled me in her office and she said, you're going to be great. You are wow. phenomenal. I think you're wonderful. And at that time, um, Oprah was still on. and Oprah said, never cry at work. So I had to stifle my tears mm-hmm. as she was mm-hmm. talking to me because I realized that I did not feel the way she felt about me, about myself. I did wow. not see myself that way. And I thought in the moment where she feels feels that I'm special and she thinks I can do it, mm-hmm. maybe I can and maybe I should feel that way about myself. And literally, that woman changed my life, so from that moment, I wanted to be Joanne Bober for mm-hmm. as many women as I possibly right. could, because the power of one person, and my life coach helped me to see it doesn't matter if you are a lawyer and helping people because that's the mm-hmm. only reason why I went to law school was to help right. people or. If you are making films, if you are writing books, if you are winning a pageant and raising funds, if you are doing Dress for Success, every she was like Juanita, everything that you do Mm -hmm. has a theme to it. We all have a purpose. And Mm -hmm. what drives you in life is empowering other women. And so it is a theme that played through if I let it. Mm -hmm. In the beginning, I wasn't allowing it to do that. And I was so focused on how I had to find myself and if I just let it go you know Mm -hmm. I started making films um I am probably 33 film festival awards in two short films we've got the series now the expats just -hmm. found out last night we won another telly award for that
0: hey wonderful thank you congratulations you're always winning awards I'm
1: seeing them constantly (laughs) it will when you are in the place where you're supposed to be right that type of stuff happens when you are honestly and i know it sounds like a cliche but it's true when you really are walking out your purpose right. and you found your per and and it will evolve everything is not mm-hmm. for every season right you know people look at me and it's it's cumulative what you're yep. seeing right now it's like it, 10 years later
0: <laughs> all of those things built up to what you're doing now and in retrospect it's like Perfect, right? Yeah. How all of them led to it, but you couldn't get to where you are now without doing that.
1: Absolutely.
0: There are no mistakes. What I love, my favorite thing about watching when you post an award or you post an episode, I love watching the comments because we we talked about this before we went live about the importance of visibility. Like you, what is that expression? You can't be it if you can't see it.
1: Yeah. You cannot be what you cannot see.
0: Right. Absolutely. And that, what I love is I wa- I love watching how you inspire women, maybe even if they don't move abroad, like maybe they just want to add a little bit more luxury in their life, or maybe they want to find their voice, or maybe they want to like take a sexy selfie or whatever it is, right, like right. whatever, whatever it is that woman needs to do to f- express herself. That that's what I find so powerful about what you're doing.
1: Oh, thanks. Yeah, I just, I think it is from that moment was born my desire to just pay it forward. I know the power. That's, that's why I love Dress for Success, because we are women supporting women. And that one moment of uh, encouragement that somebody may need to just be encouraged. You never know where you find somebody in the walk of life. You never know where you meet them. You have no idea if they just got up off the couch If they're just taking one step at a time and they're barely there or if they're thriving, you really don't know. But if you really speak life into somebody and encourage them, you never know how. I mean, Joanne Bober changed the trajectory of my life for that moment. And then also doing the work with life coaching and therapy and everything. And and please normalize therapy. Please go and and work things out, especially Mm -hmm. as an expat, because. I think the word you said earlier at the beginning is the key word is isolation.
0: Mm-hmm. Not
1: just feeling lonely, not being by yourself, but isolation is hard. Yep. Yep. And, and I think if you really embrace and look forward and really focus on forward looking and, and trying to find that purpose and making sure that you are being authentic to what it is and whatever authentic is in that moment. I, I personally feel like when people, you know, look at stability and that's, that's a cultural generational thing to staying mm-hmm. in the same place for 20 years means something. Right. You know, my grandfather, right. God bless him before he passed. He was like, are you ever going to let grass grow underneath your feet? You know, cause you're always, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I'm allergic to grass. I don't really yep. even like grass. It, it right. gives me eczema. Okay. Yep. So I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, but I think, I wanted to encourage women in particular because people Mm -hmm. always ask me, you know, what about guys? I don't have a ministry for men. You know, (laughs) (laughs) I don't talk to my husband. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, men. I'm for Mm -hmm. women, but for to to encourage and to just help someone to be equipped to take the lid off of themselves. Yep, Um, that is that is the thing. It's your own lid. Society Mm -hmm. has boxes. They have categories. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be in that box and you don't have to be in that category. And then to give a narrative and and an image, especially for, and I'll I'll be honest and transparent, especially for women of color uh, in particular, because that's the reason why I started doing pageants was because little girls at schools Mm -hmm. cared about me standing before them. And you know, if if it takes rhinestones and a sash, whatever, Mm -hmm. to get the idea that Claire Huxtable Mm -hmm. is not just a figment of the imagination. that she exists and you can exist and it's not far-fetched and believe it or not a lot of our young african-american youth still don't see enough of that that's part of the reason why i created purpose was because of marginalized narratives and stories that you otherwise wouldn't see you will not see a a reality show about black being black and abroad you're just not going to see it and if i didn't create it i think as storytellers too you want to create something that's new that's never been done and if right. somebody else can do it you shouldn't do it right. i felt like i was the only person that was going to be able to tell this story i'm sure others will come and do it but i just right. felt like this was the moment that i was called to do and equip that and black people can't see themselves abroad if they don't have a vision of yeah. that i want young African-American boys and girls to think about studying abroad, traveling abroad, and to know, you know, coming from Chattanooga, Tennessee, a very small environment Mm -hmm. to know that the world is bigger than where you are right now. Your opportunities are bigger, but if you don't see that, if that doesn't become normalized, then you won't know it. I want to normalize us in every space.
0: Right. That is such a huge contribution. Like, I can't even put words to it. That that, in addition to what you're doing on the individual and larger scale level for women. And that is why it is important to get through the four months. Yes. Because yes. you are exceptional and you're just like every other woman. Every other woman. Yes,
1: I am. I, I, t- I tell people all the time, This I have extraordinary opportunities. I'm an ordinary person. Yep. I just have opportunities that are extraordinary, and but I don't think I have them for no reason. Right. That's just me. I don't yep. think I'm here by accident for no reason. And I, I just want to encourage other people to not be afraid of change. The only things that aren't growing are things that are dead. <laughs> so every, you know, seriously, plants grow. The only yep. time they stop growing is when you cut them and they die. Yep. So if you wake up with breath, grow and embrace change. And change is hard. Change is hard mm-hmm. for children. Change is hard for adults because change scratches the ego. Yep. Because the on. ego screams for stability and for acceptance. Yep. People will get it. And even if they don't, who cares? You know, my life coach helped me to have the 3A alliteration, attorney, author, actress, when everybody was telling me, oh, you're so scattered. Oh, you seem all over the Mm. place. And then she brought that together with a mission statement of everything. And and it all made sense. And it all came together. Mm -hmm. And now when I tell people who I am, that's just who I am. That's just what I do. And but you have to get it first. It starts with you. And um, do it afraid, do it scared. But I, I think, if it hadn't been for us living internationally, it is a huge part of who I was called to be. A huge mm-hmm. part of what made me, who, what made me who I am, and got me to the place where I'm at, and shaped me to be able to handle anything. If mm-hmm. I can go buy underwear and socks in Mandarin, you can do <laughs> anything. You can't do anything, honey. If I right. could be this little little black mm-hmm. woman from Tennessee over here in Taiwan, honey, because you want to talk about a homogeneous environment. Right, exactly. Taiwan is, is beautiful, yeah. but one of these kids is doing his own thing, okay? Yeah. <laughs> it's right? very obvious, very obvious, um, but it's a beautiful experience. My children mm-hmm. are having a beautiful experience, and I would encourage everyone, especially in the world that we're living in today, yeah, to- broaden their horizons. Yep. Yeah.
0: What I've come to learn is that being alive is something you really feel. Yes. And if yes. you're not feeling, you're not living. And let me just be honest, I'd like to avoid half of the feelings. <laughs> I've come to learn that they come together.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they do. They come as a package, don't they? It's a yin and a yang at all times, at all times. People see, and and somebody asked me one time, like, why do you post so many positive things? Like, why do you post so many awards? For every one award, there Mm -hmm. were 20 no's. I just can't post all the no's. What's the point? You want me to depress everybody? That's not helpful. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody wants to see all that, but I'm like, trust me. For every, yes, for every award. Mm -hmm. There has been 20 other things that we applied for and there was a no. Just because you can't catch the vision doesn't mean the vision is wrong. But that's 10 years that it took me to get to the place where I can stand firm because the no's, the naysayers and all of those type of narratives and negative narratives will always be there, whether they're in your own head. Mm Because there are some days I fight many fetal positions. Like it's not a mm-hmm. full-on fetal, yep. but I just might be a little humped over. Mm-hmm. You know, I might have poor posture.
0: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> poor posture
1: yep. and yep. paralyzed some days yep. Yep. Uh, trying to tell myself it's going to be okay because the bigger you accomplish, the bigger conversations you have to have with yourself that you yep. can do this. Yep. So Thank I, you for
0: normalizing that because that's something I try to tell my clients all the time that they see the surface they see what you post they see you know mm-hmm. the successful programs but what they don't see is the hard stuff that happens behind the scenes. Yeah. And and that's what we said before we got on the call. I know you've had the hard things because I know yeah. that your success is real. And that comes from a hundred no's to get the one yes. I know that Absolutely. with my whole body, right? Absolutely. And that's, I think, important to normalize for people who are starting their journey, who don't yet feel like they're in that place where they're bearing the fruit of their labor. One of my business partners and friends amel deregi she's a sales and marketing specialist and she said you have to celebrate every no because after 99 nos you're going to get a yes so every no is closer to that yes and that is what it really takes there's no overnight success like uh-oh. none that doesn't exist it's like the my first i could say
1: oh I, I i made it sound like i got signed in london went on my first audition and got you know my first indie feature no, that was 42. I count 42 auditions later, I got my first break. But if I had stopped at audition number 10 and those 42 were all (laughs) no's, I got callbacks, but they were all ultimately all no's. Had I stopped there, I never would have gotten. So yes, I post a lot about being nominated best actress every time because I probably had, ninety nine no's before before that one yes and that one opportunity and, and it makes but for me it makes it all the more sweeter. I appreciate it more and I probably do celebrate it more because of the no's that just continue to shape you. The nos were there for a reason, be it whatever the reason there could be multiple reasons. I needed to learn how to audition better. You know yeah, I went to right. I went and got back in class. and There are mm-hmm. many reasons for delay for redirection
0: mm-hmm. in the know. Yep. There's, there's, I'm just mindful of the time here. There's so much that you shared that I'm so grateful for because it really does pull the curtain back behind the experience of an accompanying partner and what it takes to find your own purpose and create a life that is parallel and possible with this globally mobile life, you know, that we're living. You're one of those people that everything you say needs to be like on a Canva and put as a meme because you've got so much wisdom to share. Uh, If people want to learn more about you and follow you, where should they go?
1: I am Juanita Ingram on all social media platforms. I am Juanita Ingram.com is my website. For the show, they can go to expatsshow.com and on all social media. Um, We are re-airing in the next two days. I'm so excited about that. And so they can follow us there. But yeah, I'm I'm just really excited about the time in life Mm -hmm. that we're in and life that I'm in. And it doesn't you know, it it's ebbs and flows. I'll probably mm-hmm. fight a mini fetal position moment tonight. And I'll get over it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I just went through the process of getting qualified to be on the ballot for them to vote for the Emmy nominations. Wow. I cannot tell you, and we made the ballot, which is unheard of, of a self-published, self-funded indie series to even for the television academy to say this is of quality that we even qualify to be on the ballot to be voted for so i'm celebrating that i pray we get the nomination but the Mm -hmm. fact that we're even on the ballot i wish they could send me a copy of the ballot and that i would frame it you know But the number of fetal moments that I fought through, mm-hmm. only my husband, and maybe he didn't even bear witness to all of them, because sometimes yep. I just go out on my balcony, and mm-hmm. and it's a paralyzing feeling, and you have to fight through every single one. I'm grateful for those moments because it's a muscle, and yep. I get stronger, and they get shorter, and yep. I get stronger every single time.
0: Totally. And you're yeah. alive. You're alive. Absolutely. And I'm living. <laughs> That's right. That's right. My best life. That's right. So, thank you so much. I will make sure that I put where they can find you in the show notes so they can also continue to enjoy your wisdom. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. What I love about my conversation with Juanita is how she shares the hard parts behind what it takes to live a life on purpose, that it's in the hard that we get to the good. I know I've said it. Now you've heard her say it. (laughs) So when you're living it, I want you to celebrate that. Because if you are really living, leaning into what is coming next, that season, you know you're doing it right. So there you have it, our final edition of Expat Untold. I hope you've enjoyed this edition as much as I have. If this has inspired you to keep going on your own journey to find purpose and create what's on your heart and mind, then don't miss my upcoming five-day challenge called The Boost. (laughs) Think of it as your mid-year energy shot, something that we all need right now. The Boost Challenge is 100% free, completely online, and it has zero strings attached. Join us and get daily teachings from me that I've designed to kind of kickstart your progress and help you move forward towards your goals. Join our community and group calls so we can deep dive into each theme and get that all-important accountability. And then you can create powerful, small but high-impact micro-assignments so that you can report your success along the way. What can you expect? Day one is around focus. Day two is all about mindset. Day three, we're looking for energy boost. Day four is a relationship boost. And day five is a boost on your impact. All you gotta do is sign up in the show notes and we'll see you inside Expats on Purpose. You've been listening to Expat Happy Hour with Sunday Schneider Bean. Thank you for listening. I'll leave you with the words from Fabian Fredrickson. The day you plant the seed is not the day you eat the fruit. Be patient and stay the course.